We are back, and so are the Philadelphia Flyers. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington. Joining me, as always, it's Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, bud? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Hockey's back. Oh, hockey's got, back. The fact that we got to watch hockey games this week, even even the ones where half of the roster didn't play. And But we got to see a game where almost the whole roster did play, and we'll talk That's about true. that as we kind of move on in the show. Uh, so we are going to address one thing off the top, and we talked about this uh, just briefly before the show here. Uh, it's the Robin Leonard situation. Uh, if you haven't been following along, uh, Robin Leonard had an interesting night on Twitter last night. Uh, Kevin, were you paying attention as this went down live? Because I didn't catch up till this morning, to be honest. Yes and no. And I say that meaning I think there was there was a little buzz about it as we were doing press conferences. So like that, I think, was about the time that the first couple of tweets came out. But it wasn't really something that was concentrated on and that a lot of people were actually really putting comments out there on on Twitter until later in the evening into midnight. And I'll be honest with you off the top here. Uh, I was extremely tired after the game last night. So when I got home, I actually just fell asleep for a little bit and realized later that there were even more layers to this than what there were. Right. Things like that. Like there, I there, I knew most of it when I came home. It was after the fact that there was even more that seemed to be coming out and things like that. So certainly it was a, an eventful night, all things considered, and it's carried over into today, obviously, as we record. This. Yeah, I woke up this morning and I just started seeing headlines like Robin Leonard, Twitter, Nolan Patrick, Elaine Vigneault, Philadelphia Flyers. I saw all sorts of um, rumor and conjecture thrown around. And, yeah. and the... The long story short of it, basically, is there was an accusation thrown out by Leonard that a team gave a player with head injuries some pills that weren't part of their medical program. And these are like heavy-duty painkiller, benzo-type stuff. And there was kind of some speculation, and he followed that up with a tweet that included hashtag Philadelphia Flyers and hashtag Vigneault. And there's been a lot of speculation about, you know, kind of the newest Golden Knight, Nolan Patrick, and kind of that connection. Obviously, we know all about the obvious connection there. Um, nothing has been proven at this point. I, we we right. feel it's pretty important to say that this is all just that rumor and conjecture. It's Robin Leonard and his Twitter account. And if he knows things, that's fine. But as of this moment at 8.03 Eastern time on Sunday... He has not provided any sort of proof. There has been no investigation announced. The league hasn't publicly commented. All we know is that the league has invited Robin Leonard to formally interview with them kind of about all of this and other things that Robin Leonard is upset about. Right. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but to kind of further evolve the story, if you will, I guess the real place where this begins is Robin Leonard was this week's guest on Spit and Chicklets. This is about three days, four days ago, Sounds and they right. talk about no, and they talk about a bunch of topics. They talk about he was obviously he's he knows and was teammates with Jack Eichel, talking about Jack Eichel's situation, mental health, his you know playing in Vegas. This is all from their tweet, tweeting out the episode, right? And and Leonard's only comment to this is had a lot of fun on the pod. Give it a listen. Let's get Ryan Whitney to be an Islander fan. Okay, fine, whatever. But that's it. And for three days, he's quiet. Then he comes out with something about, and it's all about the next few series of tweets, and this, I guess, was Friday. So this is 
the day before all the other allegations come out that he mentions that we are specifically interested in as a flyer podcast, he actually is talking about Jack Eichel's situation and goes into that and into his and then profiles his own situation in Buffalo with an injury and how he felt like it wasn't handled properly or that he didn't have a choice or whatever. So he goes into details with that, and that's where he's at at that point. Then he continues and starts to turn it into mentioning this thing about these painkillers and all of that type of stuff and goes into it and d- then specifically mentions the Flyers, specifically mentions Elaine Vigneault, says he has proof, did not follow up and provide said proof after the fact. He just continues with it, which led to th- two things. First of all, you don't know what the extent of this is league-wide. It could be happening with a team. He says there's many teams, but then mentions one and one coach, and that's where it stops. So now you're speculating who else could be involved with this. Here's another major league problem in terms of anything else that the league's been through. Evander Kane's gambling investigation that just ended not long Multiple ago. investigations on well, Evander multiple, Kane. But that's the one that just ended. The whole Chicago Blackhawks thing. You know what I mean? Like, There's been enough things going on around the league that this is like another thing, and you go... Well, how are they going to brush this one to the side? Like, you're getting to the point where you can't ignore it. So that's the first layer of the story. The second layer is you mentioned many teams, and then you only highlight one. It was a little... one specific coach, too. Right. It was a little bit strange in that respect. There's nothing wrong with a player being honest about treatment or anything like that, especially someone with mental health problems or issues or things that need attention and, and are valued and are valued and we've lauded robin leonard for his honesty and his transparency sure. about his mental and issues I still in think the past so. and i yeah and I certainly still think it is like it, it's not something that you gloss over for sure that's why we're mentioning it in the first place the, the reason that we're not talking about it further though is because basically here's the all we know section if we had to headline what we know we know about these robin leonard tweets that he's put this out there this message these claims these allegations we know that the league would like to talk to him about said tweets and we know that the flyers issued a statement that's all we know right and that's it, it's not right for us to go any further than that into it without having more factual evidence or anything like that i, I would love to see an investigation of some kind to clear this up now you mentioned the flyer statement i just as a point of clarity did chuck fletcher say something or did the team issue a statement like did that come from Comcast, was, or did that come from chuck fletcher the statement was listed that it was from chuck fletcher okay I'm just so, curious. For what it's worth, the team's social media accounts did not post this. It was not sent in like a press release via email. Sam Carcitti tweeted out this very – it was maybe I, – I guess in the, in the grand scheme of things, it's two sentences. Right. The health and well-being of our players is our top priority, and any care provided to them comes from the team's healthcare professionals, not the coaching staff. We have no reason to believe any of our players have, been, have received improper care. That was the statement. Now, the next layer of this, in my opinion, is going to be on Monday when Elaine Vigneault is going in front of the media because it is a game day. There is going to be a reason to talk about what's your lineup, what's this, what's that, right, all that type of stuff. He's going to get asked a question about this. Absolutely. I think it's too too serious to ignore asking him a question about it. It's going to be a league-wide story. It already is. Right. And... At this point, because even if it's one team and one player or one one team and one coach, it doesn't make a difference. It's still a very serious allegation. So it, you can't just it's let a it be. current day player, former Vezina winner just a couple of years ago, calling out an, or, an organization. Right. Exactly. Th- there's and, problems here. And it's an organization. Even he's never touched foot in their locker room. Like, it's, right, it's, well, 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 and that's the, and that's the thing. You sit there and you start to wonder. So is it 
that, that this is why the question is, is this actually true or is it not? And you can't really base it off of anything because he says he has proof and he's willing to offer it, but he hasn't offered it yet. So you can't go any further into this because you don't know where his mind is going with this in terms of what is it, what is it that you have to say? There you has have to be an investigation. Right. So now I, I think, well, and, and it, that's the thing. Do you think that the league is like when he, the league says they want to talk to him? Do you think he really feels like he should have to answer to them? That, no, he's that, called them out. That is one of two things. If the NHL is going to take this seriously, the conversation with Robin Leonard is your first interview in your fact finding investigation. Right. If you're I not taking thinking... it seriously, this is a silencing meeting and they're trying to figure out how to get Robin Leonard to delete his Twitter account. Exactly. And and not only that, but like this is almost a situation where you'd love a third party involved, meaning like if it's a third party investigation, we're investigating the league, all of its teams, all of its coaches, et cetera, to figure out how deep does this run? Because cert- like you got to realize that he, first of all, to call out many teams right. and to sit there and say something you know, to call to say dinosaur coaching, treating players like robots. Right. Like that's his tweet. Where's the PA on this? What do you mean? Uh, will the NHL? Oh, the players' like, association. Yeah, Where's the players' association? Yeah, at? why aren't they up in arms if this well, kind of behavior is being alleged? Why I'm aren't they up to, in arms looking for an investigation? I'm certain at that point in time that I'm sure that the if the NHL wants to talk to him, that either somebody from the players' association already has. Or, or will is part of or is part of that equation where they're just saying it's the NHL requesting to speak with him. But I think that you could have both sides involved. I'd be it. stunned if there weren't attorneys from the Players Association there. Exactly. And that's when again, that's why we're not sure if he's even going to really talk to the league specifically. He's got something out against the league at this point that he feels which uh, agreed if it's a serious allegation, like we said. So oh, certainly. But that's why it, there's you can't go any further into it than what's known. And until we get basically until we get, I, I think, an investigation, you're not going to know any real answers yet right. because it's going to be his word against the entire league, basically, which and what he has to say could very well be completely a thousand percent true. What we just don't know. And that's what needs to be found out. And then after that, yeah, whatever happens beyond that happens. But basically, you know. I said we weren't going to talk that much about it. We've kind of spent closer to roughly the first five, ten minutes on this. We'll get at this out point. soon on this. Well, no, we'll we're going to get out of hockey. We're going to get out on it now because basically the point is, is that, like we said, that's all we know. Yep. And we wanted to make sure off the top of the show that we talked about this topic right away because it's been the most popular thing in the last 24 hours. In and they Flyers, are very Twitter serious allegations. Yeah. They're serious allegations, but also it is a topic that either – look, it may, it may very well come back that it is nothing. It, it, there's right. a possibility. There. I don't know that it's nothing a thousand percent because I think that there's there's no way a player says this and there's nothing to it. There's probably something to it. Maybe it's not as serious. It might not be as serious as the coach is the one dishing out pain pills. You know, we don't know. Maybe that. ibuprofen from the equipment manager. Well, we don't know. It's, it's no, I just, know. And we don't know the extent of it beyond just this allegation towards one team and one coach, specifically the one that we talk about every week. So it's it's quite possible. We'll have more on this next week. We don't know yet. We just need to see where it goes. But so far, that is the end of the story. Because the other part that makes it the end of the story, by the way, for now, is the request is out for the NHL to talk to him, and he hasn't tweeted since last night. Right. So the fact that he has no more information to offer 
publicly at this point. And the league has requested, but we don't know whether or not that's happened, will happen, whatever. And the flyer statement is out, and that's where they're going to leave it until we hear from Elaine Vigneault on Monday, I assume. That's the end of the story until we get further detail. Hey, what do you say we talk about some hockey? Let's go into it. All right. Hey, before we do, I did want to hit a quick little note here. I've been mentioning this at the end of the show, but I wanted to put something a little closer to the front of the show. We're back okay. every week. That's right. I've mentioned it, like I said, at the end of the show. So if you've listened to the end of the last couple of weeks, you already know this. We're back this week. It might be a surprise to some people because we've been taking two weeks off before this. We're back now. We're back basically until next summer. So follow, maybe if, follow maybe, us on Twitter maybe. at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Darso. Maybe like a an exception or two for like specific Life gets times in the way. of the year. What well, were specific times of the year? Like I think we've always taken off a little bit Around over Christmas. Christmas, and you know what? One of the other things I will say that might come up as the season goes on, where we may say skip a week, the Olympic break. We when might... there's no actual games being played. We might talk a little Olympics and then pause. And oh, we what need one Olympic show. We have oh, we to. will. We oh have no, we will. But I'm too. But what I'm saying is, is that what we're going to end up having is it's going to be three Sundays worth of time between the start and the end of the Olympics. Yeah, we might take that middle All-Star Sunday off. So, like, th- I think there might be a stretch where we go, you know what, we're taking a week off just because, and we'll come back with it. But we do we'll need play that one by ear. But either way, we're here pretty weekly for the next little while here. So, you know what, you know what else I did too, as as I was thinking about that, I started to look at the Phantom schedule too because there, you know, there very well could be some people that. That you know, players that people are interested Certainly. about. I think of you know. I, I wonder. You know, I don't know if by February, when the Olympics roll around, if Cam York is still going to be a phantom or not. We don't know. You know, Tyson Forrester could be there. You got other guys who we could bring into that conversation in one way or another. And you go. To be quite honest with you, I have three weeks off from covering games. I might see about taking a trip. I don't know. Oh, that's fun. Going going out to Lehigh Valley is always a lot of fun. It's PPL the, PPL is a great a arena venue. for minor league for minor league games. It's a great place to go. It is a spectacular so, venue. Speaking I've, of, I, speak, I've covered a couple of games there, so it's it's really nice. Speaking of spectacular venues, the Philadelphia Flyers return to the Wells Fargo Center on Tuesday <laughs> night to take on the New York Islanders. This is the part where you ask me what it's like to be back in the box, right? What is it like to be back in the in the in the press <laughs> box? Yes, because we t- we teased this on last week's show that you were gonna you know be back in the the old stomping grounds. How is it up there? It is just like always. I literally, I'm not kidding you, was one seat down from where my seat was two years ago. Feels like home. So it feels very much like home. Yes, and um, are the, the, are the that, snack that bowls view- still there? Um, no candy, but pretzels and popcorn are still there. Soda is still there. Water is still there. And to be quite honest with you, after a year of no snacks at all, other than if you ate the pregame meal, which last year wasn't even a real pregame meal. It was literally stuff from like the snack, like the right. not snack stand, but like the concession stand up in revolutionary row or whatever. You going to miss rubbing elbows with Jim Jackson over the Swedish fish. Um, no, because I could go to practice and talk about better things than Swedish fish with Jim Jackson. That if I wanted true. to. Either way, let's uh, let's get into these games. We got three games. we got three games to talk about. Where do you want to go here? We could just start from the beginning. Quite honestly, I mean, it was Tuesday was the very first one, and it's it, the, it I looks think like one the first things, preseason game. <laughs> it, it did, but here was the thing: it was first of all, it's nice to be back there in the building to watch it. And I was glad I was there to watch it because of the fact that the very first thing I almost should hit to the next tab already because we're going to talk about him already, in my opinion, because I got a really good look at Ryan Ellis in that first preseason game. He was probably, I guess. Ellis played, Atkinson played, Yandel played, and Broussard played out of the new guys in that first preseason game on Tuesday. So I know I have 
Ellis, Ristolainen, and Yandel in here. Ristolainen did not play in Tuesday's game. But I did that because I was basically focusing on the defensemen in this trio of people. Right. And let me tell you right now that Ryan Ellis is, to watch him in person already, it's a preseason game. It was his first preseason game. It is a joy to watch Ryan Ellis play. It's nice to watch somebody who knows how to play defense at the national hockey level. He now I'm I'm gonna kind of jump around a bit because we're talking about like from game wise like sticking with the player but game wise because he played Saturday too he made a play in Saturday's game that it's just a simple like it's just a poke check it's nothing complicated it's just a routine poke check but he did it in such a way that he got the puck away from a player and got it to the corner then helped win a battle and it led to a rush the other way and you're looking at it and you're it's going like, the right way. But it's it was steady. It's yep. so steady, and Provorov looks better for it already. I told you, I've said this a number of times, both in private and I believe I've said it on the show. I think you're going to see the best Ivan Provorov this year that you've maybe ever seen. Well, I, one of the things I've said on the show, or mentioned multiple times on various appearances is that they wanted to get a defenseman like Ryan Ellis, a guy who plays that way. Yep. And you should be already in two games seeing why. This is what he is. He's he's exactly what is needed on that other side of the ice. And the funny thing is, is that the poke check play I'm talking about, by the way, came, he's on the left side doing that. Like, he's actually switched places, but he makes the play anyway because you got you, you adjust to the whole thing. And, you know... We focus so much on left, right all the time, but it's interchangeable. You got to know your assignments, everything like that. They never look out of place. He's very sound with his positioning, and that's one of the best things about it. Now, we can talk about some of the other guys on this list and how their positioning sometimes is. Now, I, I actually want to turn my attention to another guy who played on Tuesday, though, who's on this list. Okay. And so it's not wrist aligned, so you can deduct. I've been really impressed with Keith Yandel so far. You know what? I was telling you a little bit before the show that I haven't actually gotten to watch all of the preseason games so far. You know, the, right. the, the broadcast schedule is a little tricky in the preseason out here in the Midwest. Um, but from what I've seen, Keith Yandel has looked good. And I don't mean... Okay. I don't remember the last time the Flyers had a defenseman in their top four. Like, I would be happy with Keith Yandel playing in their top four in any other year, pretty much. And the fact that he gets to be on your third pair this year yeah, is pretty spectacular. Like, just from what I've seen out of him, I've seen more production out of him in the third pair and that power play role. He's everything that we wanted Ghost to be. It's funny that we're bringing this up again because I'll plug it now. I'll plug it again at the end of the show. I just before hopping on and recording this, our episode tonight, I w- I'm going to be on the OMB podcast this week, and literally that's the way we talked about this about Keith Yandel is. That's that's what we it's said all like, last season like, about it's Ghost. Like, it, it's but it's also it, it is his efficiency of moving the puck on the power play. But I I even said the thing that's impressed me more is I knew off the bat when he when he was signed, it's okay. First of all, I, I remember saying that I called him. He's an insurance policy to Cam York. If Cam York is not ready, here this is who you've got. Right? And Cam York doesn't have to be ready. He can go play 24 minutes a night in Lehigh Valley. Exactly. But beyond that, you're going into this with him. And and the thing about Yandel is is that what did we figure of him? Power play and probably a sheltered third pairing role. Because let's face it, he's not 
the best defense, defensive defenseman. We're not going to sit here and tell you he's winning the Norris this year. He's also not you know, the youngest. He's, he's not the youngest. You wanted to kind of, in the very same way that, like, it made the pairing of Yandel Braun so perfect for that role because you're going. That's the third. That's the third one down the line. That's the guys that you put out there, not against the best players on the ice, and and not in high pressure situations because it's the it's crunch time and. But they're like, going to eat up you, minutes. But they're going to get minutes, and here's the thing: I've actually been impressed with the way that Yandel has handled the defensive responsibilities he has as a defenseman. While not being the best on the team, he's not the worst guy out there right now. I don't think you know. I like like you used to be able to do this with Ghost, right? Like when you would sit there and go, you needed the points from him because if you weren't getting the points, then you were going to get the defensive liability side of him. You were going to get the bad. And, <laughs> and if and and by all accounts, that's one of the benefits of Yandel is Yandel has been a very productive power play guy so you are getting the production so if you sit there and you go you know oh if he's on the ice for a goal against then it's partially his fault and we can deduct that from the play if he assists on a power play goal and gets it back and he's broken even right like then yeah he makes up for it and it's broken even right to me Keith Yandel looks like a guy who's playing with his best friend again Kind of, but at the same time, like he's not specifically playing with him, which is great because it's like it's nice to see him form chemistry. He's but you can I, see I how loose he is and how much fun he's having playing hockey. And I, I just I said this on on OMB when I was on there with them too, and I said this last night as well up in the press box. I didn't think that after we got all those Kevin Hayes videos and all that stuff in the first year, I didn't. Are you gonna think tell me the mic'd up at Media Day? Is well, yes, but that's a good. Yeah, that's that a video good, is that's, fantastic. That is a fantastic video. I didn't think that there was a bigger goofball than Kevin Hayes with all that stuff. And then Keith, Keith Handel showed up. And guess what? He is insanely funny. I'll tell you a funny little story. We're waiting for the interviews last night. And one of that, actually, it was one of the PR guys who popped his head through. Because they kind of have, like, curtains surrounding, like, where the table is. And we're sitting in this. It's, so it box us, boxes us in, right? It's nice not being on Zoom, and, isn't it? Oh, for sure. I can get into that later. But so in, So one of the PR guys pops his head through the curtain and like it was kind of random so we kind of have like a little chuckle over it but right after he does and disappears here comes Keith Yandel and he just sticks his head in and like looks around smiles kind of gets like this idea like oh yeah okay this is where it is and then walks through Ristolainen's with him by the way okay and then so he's already cracking jokes he's already having a having fun he's laughing the whole way through they interacted great in that media day video they finish and they both go to get up from the table and they go to walk off, and as they're walking off, Claude Drew is walking in to do his availability for the night. And Yandel just gets this really excited, like, "There's the captain, it's G!" And like, and and we're laughing at this because he's such a personality. Like, it's it's great to have, and you can already see how this is rubbing off on everybody else and things like that. I hope they bring back the helmet or the robe or the the post game player of the game celebration. Because, first of all, I think that this is a team is going to be based on its chemistry. right? We've already seen right. that. That's why you go out and you get Keith Yandel. We think that's the reason you go out and you get Cam Atkinson, things like that. You know, the whole tampering the why committee you bring in, all in the same room. It's a big reason why you bring in a lot of veterans who have been there, done that, and kind and of know, so, know a good locker room from a bad one. And yes. a post-game ceremony like that, Keith Yandel's in the room. Kevin Hayes is in the room. Whoever's getting that thing is feeling like the biggest shot in Philly. Sure. And right? well, here's Those guys are just such good cheerleaders for their teammates. Well, because how many videos did we see of that happening before the pause? Tons where of them. 
where but Kevin Hayes is the biggest one go, go goofing off in the whole group and we're and we're laughing cuz he's he's cracking himself up. That's the best part. He's oh, actually he, laughing at himself. Nobody is a bigger fan of Kevin Hayes than Kevin Hayes. Right. Like and, but if there is him. if there is a bigger fan than Kevin Hayes, it's Keith Yandel. Cuz right. those two are just inseparable. <laughs> but I want but a buddy that. cop film starring those two. But even so, think about last year for one second with this. The access wasn't even good enough for the for the teams themselves, not even for people like me. Right. For the whole team, that could anybody like could you follow a guy like that around with a camera no. all day as he does all this media stuff? And is nobody and had fun last season. Let's be know, honest. And it's, but it's but is but is putting out one liners the whole time, like like the thing with the coffee. He wanted a cup of coffee in the middle of things. So he sits there and he gives flyers run on donkeys. Like, okay, that's great. Like, that's funny. We got to laugh out of that. David Poster not commercial. Or how, right. Or how about or how about the thing with they're playing the games. They're doing the games with Gritty, right? And and he walks by. He's already won his game against Ristolainen, and he sees Lawton playing with Frost, and he's commenting on it. He guesses one right, and he goes, "Hey, do I get another medal before walking on?" Like. It was it's fantastic. It's great. And you can see and, and the, the cool part of that one was is okay, you can put him next to Rista Linen and, and have a laugh because that's another new guy. It's kind of a new situation. Scott Lawton's been with the team for what? Also Forever. six, seven years, right? What was he drafted? Twenty thirteen? Twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Okay. Yeah, and, and he's but he's laughing just as hard. He's coming and it's he's like, coming up on ten years in the organization. How does that feel? Uh, not good for me, there I suppose. You go. But, I mean, <laughs> all right. So here is here is kind of the breakdown for the week. Tuesday we saw the the A squad, or, you know, the whatever. Roughly, I mean, t- Tuesday we saw what if I would describe it as Tuesday we saw potentially your top six and two of your top six defense or two of your right. top six defensive pairing. Like, and then Thursday like we kind of saw pairing. everybody else. Right now, I do. I, I don't have his name written down because we're talking a lot of it was strictly the tabs were strictly to be for the new guys. But right. since we're on the subject of Tuesday and it's the only example we have of this guy so far, I do want to talk about Igor Zamula. <laughs> well, Igor Zamula actually is in the news because he he was injured like right after. Well, he, he looked great. That shot was beautiful. But it was a good shot. It turns and out he's going to miss some time. So. It's unfortunate because he was another guy who was, I think, making an impression. I think he had a shot to be your seventh. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. And, I'll, and the only reason I wouldn't go that far is because they are not going to make it the seventh. A guy, anybody who, who a guy that play. should be playing. Yeah. Their intentions are, and I'll give you the two names right off the bat while we're at it then, because they pl- both have played somewhat over the course of the week. Nick Sealer is probably your leader. Adam Clendenning is probably the next one in line. But the reason for that is because like Nick Sealer selling out in the first preseason game, blocking like three shots and hitting people and things like that, and, and actually legitimately stepping up and doing playing those things. like he was playing for a job. Right. But at the same time, you put him on as the seventh because you're asking for him to come in in a pinch. Whereas if, if you do get a significant injury to you're one of call these somebody else guys, over to jump then Nick maybe, Sealer. right. Then maybe yeah. it becomes, Oh, is Igor Zamula available? What about Cam York? Like that's when those guys come in. But if not, Nick Sealer is there York, if someone gets injured on the first half of a back-to-back during a road trip. Type pretty thing. much, and and yeah. quite on, but quite honestly, Cam York and Igor Zamula could be. I don't want to speculate that they are for sure, but could be the top pairing for the Phantoms. See, I imagine they're your top pair for the Phantoms because I think there is an alternate universe where the Flyers don't have Justin Braun and Keith Yandel, 
and that's your bottom pair. And I'm glad it's not that way. I'm glad that the Flyers have gotten themselves a little bit of depth and you don't have to do that. But I think if that's your bottom pair, you're not necessarily upset about it. Well, exactly. And that's, again, in, insurance policy. It gives these guys time and you don't feel the pressure. Like they, They're not going to treat Igor Zamula the way they treated Phil Myers in the sense that you're putting expectations on him really early on with very limited NHL experience and saying, go be that guy. Hey, speaking of like, Phil Myers, the um, the Ryan Ellis trade has officially cemented that I'm okay with any defenseman trades Nashville ever wants to make with us ever again. Because <laughs> between Kimo Tiemann and Ryan Ellis, I'm in. I'm sold. He hasn't even played Doesn't a regular matter. season game yet. and You you're saw him in the preseason? Come on now. I have seen him for two games. That, is, that is his preseason level. Okay, you imagine his regular season level is probably 15-ish percent more than that. What is Ryan Ellis's playoff level going to look like? Come on now. Oh, and Come you on know what? now. So, anyway. Um, Tell me you you're got not excited for that. No, that, that he for, he was the biggest name they got in the offseason, in my opinion. He was the best piece they got for that reason, because he needed to be. You needed that guy, the stable, steady guy who plays next to Provorov. The biggest Icy, name, stable, and steady. The biggest name might have been Ellis, but the biggest defenseman was Ristolainen. So what, what, how has he looked? What do you think about Rasmus so far? He's He was probably the most uh, criticized addition coming into this season. I think that's fair to say. For sure. Now, here's the thing I'll say about him. I felt it was unfair to try to completely critique his Thursday performance because, first of all, he's part of a top pairing on that particular night. They did not play Ryan Ellis and Ivan Pro. He shouldn't have played as many minutes as he did. You're right. Or, well, or no, the better, the better way the to say it he was. Well, he won't be. That's the better way mm. to look at it. He won't be playing that amount of minutes, and he won't be playing in that kind of role right. in a normal circumstance. Correct. So that's the first part. The second part of it was because right away, the very first goal that the Boston Bruins scored in that game, it's a power play goal. It's Marchand from the slot on a power play. And right away, yes, can you go look back at the highlight and point out that Ristolainen leaves his post, drifts away, and that's how part of how Marchand's alone in front. Also, yes. also worth noting that the Bruins dressed almost their NHL lineup on Thursday. Well, that's for one, but two... It's also worth noting on the same play, and I did put it in my takeaways afterwards, that, oh, by the way, Travis Sanheim lost the puck battle, and Scott Lawton's also out of position, and that's why Marchand's wide open. Right. We're going to pick on Ristolainen because he's the new guy, like, and he was maligned coming and, in, but and it almost other was people like share gonna, blame here. And it almost was like we're going to pick on him because it's easy to pick on him because this was the whole story with him, right? It, this is how he is. He's not that like he's not as good as people want to think he is, or he's not a number one, or whatever, like— Nobody's asking him to be a number one when it's a second game of the preseason for the team and his first preseason action. Right, and we're going to be asking him to be a four at best. Like, so no, so this is why I'm saying so. Go to Saturday and watch him deliver big hits in the preseason, like it was the regular season. He had by by all standards, by the way, and I, I said this for Thursday as well because there, Thursday there wasn't enough time to me to really see this team collectively and what they had out there, which again was. After maybe your two lines at the top, it's not uh, your uh, NHL roster. Let's put right. It that it's way. not your NHL roster exactly. But there wasn't enough five on five time to evaluate it. There was a lot of special teams time. I believe by the end of it, I counted fifteen minutes of the game went to special teams. So there was only forty five minutes of five on five to even evaluate. And in some cases, like I think that Boston probably took the foot off the gas a little bit in the third period with a four one lead yeah. for most of it. Like until Farabee scores again and it's four two, but I think they 
pulled back a little bit. Like, okay, it's preseason. We're not going to. No gun one's it trying here. to kill anybody here. We'll we'll get to Garden right. Hathaway on Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> well, yeah, I know that's a whole story. Um, but beside the it's point, preseason. Like, but whatever. Well, well, I'm not on Saturday yet. <laughs> no, with no, him right, yet. That's I'm fine. So I didn't think it was. So I kind of didn't think it was fair, and I kind of looked at it like you know I get it. Yes, the first penalty kill, he's out of position. So we're a couple of other guys. You know what? You got to chalk it up to that. Team shares and, blame. And it, yeah, collect, it, it, the unit should share some blame for that. And on top of that, that's the only thing I really saw that was a glaring mistake. He wasn't out there for the other couple of goals scored, goals against, for one. And then I didn't notice anything drastic. As a matter of fact, one of the things I thought that was noticeable about him was his movement of the puck to get out of the zone was actually pretty good. Now, I, I do want to, you know, full disclosure here, the camera work for the TNT broadcast for this game lacked a little bit during the middle portion of the game there were some of it i didn't even get to see and some of some of it i didn't even get to see and some of it was done from the robo cam tnt smoothing out some kings which is why they're having these games in the first place let's be real yep absolutely why why would nbc or nbc tnt by the way why would tnt send that basically their a team right i mean that was their a team it's kenny albert eddie olchek and and keith jones who uniquely enough keith jones is the one working between the glass this time so right? funny. inside the glass but nonetheless like why would you send your team for a preseason game between the flyers and bruins if not for just hey we're trying Practice. to debut on here yep. to get everything up and running by the way the thing i i, I tweeted this the thing i really liked about the broadcast on tnt oh please say studio, what i think you're about to say the studio show was great and oh, rick Tockett sure. was outstanding yeah, I was going to say, um, one thing I really like about TNT's presentation is the actual scoreboard graphic. Oh, the graphics are I very clean. I think it's clean. super, yes. super clean. I'm very yes. excited. Um, but yeah, I didn't actually catch much of the studio stuff from TNT on, on Thursday. Well, let, let's just say it also started off with Rick Tockett decided to say, you know what you should do to cut down on the cross-checking penalties or if you want people not cross-checking you? Stop you cross-checking people? Well, no, when someone does cross-check you, if you're the player getting cross-checked, he demonstrated that if when someone pushes into you like this, as you fall forward, you swing your leg up behind you, and basically, um, how do I say this without actually saying what what he what he demonstrated? You get a crotch shot in. Uh, you yeah, you get to throw that leg up and because everybody it lands turned where around, it lands. right? But everybody turned around and went, look at what Rattaka just told kids to do. <laughs> this is great. Well, if someone's cross-checking you in the back, <laughs> yeah, that's how they'll learn not to do that. And in fairness, by the way, for like, I think that they—I don't remember how much they announced of what they're going to do, but I know that they—the big announcement that they had was that so Gretzky's debut on TNT is coming on October thirteenth. So weird. Hearing, oh, I, hearing Gretzky on TNT is just I a strange people, sentence. It is, but I, I'm telling you, I think people are going to like it. I think it's, first of all, I think, and, and truthfully, and Tockett did a little bit of work like this went locally for a little is while. Is he going to wear a suit like he did when he coached the Coyotes? Because that was weird, man. It was weird seeing Wayne Gretzky in like a suit and tie. Uh, I don't think it's weird seeing Gretzky in a suit and tie. I hear you. I hear he's where you're going. He's too skinny for it. He just, it just hangs off him. Like, I know he's very well made and it's a very well tailored suit, but it still just hangs off him because he's just I so small. I don't think he's super skinny. I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's big either, though. Right. I get where you're coming he's, from, but I don't think slight. he's like, okay, I don't think it matters. I'm ready to see him talk about some stuff on this. And I, oh, first of all, first of all, I don't, I think you can't, how do you put a value on the analysis from 
the greatest player who's ever played this game. If he can properly communicate it, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. If he can... The problem with some of these elite players, and I think why it didn't really translate so well with him as a coach, Mm -hmm. is it's hard for him to dumb it down enough for us regular people to understand... Like he just thinks the game on such a high level that it's it's hard for him to dumb it down. Something that has been told to me before and something that I've learned over the years of cover, both covering the game and watching the game. Sometimes the best players in the world at any position can not can make some of the worst coaches. Right. In terms of like like and right away the, the names that come to my mind, you know, Gretzky tried to, was was obviously a coach for a little bit, it didn't really seem to work out. He seems better better suited as an executive type or perhaps a broadcaster i think it could be fun for him to explain the game on that visceral level that he has and but like i feel that way about patrick wah yeah great goal i think that's why Hall his coaching level. career didn't really work but out sometimes it, but sometimes what your style is and, and he's a very fiery passionate guy and we knew this like you see how he is as a player he was flashy he was fiery he played with an energy that is tough to match Sometimes it doesn't translate when you're coaching players. Right. So that's what that's what the difference can be. I think that from an analysis standpoint, this could be uh, this could be a huge hit for them. And I'm eager to watch that night to see how he sounds, because it's going to be fun to have him as part of the broadcast. But anyway, so back to Ristolainen, because that's where we really were with this, because Ristolainen was you can't get a lot from that game. Watching it on TV was not an easy task either. So. Well, let's just leave it at that. Well, let's move to Saturday then, because we did get to right. see him in a little bit more of his natural role on Saturday, because the so, interesting thing about Saturday was that pretty much the NHL roster played, except for Carter Hart. So I still didn't see anything glaring for him on, um, in like in terms of gold, like he didn't have any goals against issues. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't on the ice for that penalty kill at that time. Or you know, he might have been actually. He was on the ice, but it's um. Actually, wait a minute. I'm gonna check. No, he okay. He was. They did. They did update it. At first, it, they gave the wrong numbers last night of who was on the ice, so it was updated. But that was kind of a fluky goal to begin with, because for first of all, for a power play goal. Second of all, it's actually a block shot by Cam Atkinson that just lands behind him instead and right on the stick of a player, so he just releases it right away. And you actually see, uh, here's another guy we're going to get into down the road in just a minute. Martin Jones actually does kind of come across. He tries to slide across to be in position to make the save where that shot was going. And by the time the thing lands and is on its way, he can't get back to the other side where it's now going because of the block shot and all that. So it was really just a bad bounce that turned into a quick goal, and that was how it went. Five on five, he played pretty well, all things considered. And it's certainly when you go out there and say, by the way, it's a preseason game. Right. He had four hits in the first period. <laughs> right. He was throwing four the body hits. for sure. Ristolainen was using that size. Now, I do want to point out, though, that as much as he's using the size, and this is, again, this is not one of the new guys, but th- we almost look at it and go, well, Ristolainen was right away throwing the body, big hits, you know, good, you know, that loud crunch along the boards that gets people fired up. People were loving loving it there because you definitely heard the oohs and ahs and, and things like that. They're going to love right? them live at the game. The Absolutely. First, the energy level was high overall, though, and the first player that really actually brought that energy and did something like that was Travis Konechny. Travis Konechny had a hit, but he had it was it wasn't like he was bringing the energy like hey I'm just moving fast and I'm barking the whole time and all that stuff. He laid a hit along the Flyers bench that kind of set the tone for the physicality in the game. Yeah, 
And that's where everything went from there. Now back to Ristolainen and, and kind of actually back to Yandel for a second in the same thing because here was another element of that physicality. Second or not first period, I'm sorry. So it's still the first period. And you get a stoppage and around that I, I don't want to say it was a late jab, but Joel Farabee's by the net. He's trying to make a play in case there's a rebound, so he's near it. He gets a stick in there and Garnet Hathaway's gonna start stuff with him. Because Garnet he Hathaway is is that guy. He's trying to be Brad Marchand without the skill. Pretty, kind of, kind of, I guess. Um, well, anyway, here comes the scrum, and Hathaway's right in the middle of whoever. Well, here comes two new faces that were, and look, everybody was over in the scrum, so I'm not trying to single out or to not include the other guys who would have been on the ice, but right. Ristolainen is there and Yandel's there, and there's just this look on their faces that says, not today, guys. Right. Uh-uh. You're not messing with our teammate here, and both of them are in there giving it. At that point, like really, oh, Yandel especially out. was given it, and that wasn't the first time, obviously, because like later on, there's another situation that comes from Hathaway that we'll get into that doesn't involve Ristolainen or Yandel specifically, but there's an element that they bring. Ristolainen, by the way, from an offensive standpoint, makes a nice play because he just puts a puck on net. That's it. It was really simple. He puts a shot on net. Big rebound comes out. There's nobody standing between. Ilya Samsonov and Oscar Limblom. Limblom takes a second to get it onto his stick. It's bouncing a little bit, and he gets it back in front, and the net's open, and there's Cam Atkinson going hard to the net, and it's in the net because of that. It's greasy. It's determined. It's how you've got to sometimes score goals in the league, and it was great to watch those three players in Go particular to the net. contribute to that because it's not a complicated decision by and It's just put the puck on net. He has a knack for getting shots through, by the way. So he can get some shots through. It gets through. It leaves a rebound. And now what do you do? And that's not an that's not your run of the mill goalie. That's one of the guys who's going to play for the Washington Capitals. Oh yeah. He leaves a rebound, and a guy's right there. Limblom's right there to pick it up, and he can't get a shot on goal because he couldn't handle it right away anyway. But even then, Samsonov square. He's ready to take that. He's ready to face that shot. You know what I mean? But it goes. But if but you throw the pass back to the middle. And now here comes the wave of, of other players coming through, and Atkinson just happens to direct it the right way into, into the net. Let's talk about him. Oh, Cam Atkinson? Yeah. Yes. Because we saw this we saw this production out of him. We saw the goal on Saturday. Hopefully the first of many, right? Hopefully the first of many. Cam Atkinson is... I feel confident saying that he's going to be the real deal. That... that he is as advertised. Here's where I'm at with him. Because that first preseason game very much felt like a first preseason game for him. And it's in the sense of... And it did for a lot of guys. He's got jump. He's got energy. And you see it. But he didn't quite have like the opportunities in that first game. It wasn't... like There were looks, but like I wanted to see him with the puck on his stick. And he took a couple... like He actually took a decent number of shots in that first game. But like one of his shots was from behind the blue line. Like, it was almost at center ice. And it was... Like, I think they'd only had two shots at that point, and I kind of laughed it off and went, like, that's one way to get a shot on goal really quick. You know what I mean? But he had a couple good ones otherwise, and he had a couple plays where he was going to the net and a pass across maybe just missed him or something like that. But he didn't just have the goal on Saturday. He had had a breakaway where he had two, two cracks at it and didn't score. So that was a, that was good. He, he's involved. You can see he's involved and he's active. I don't, you know, it's exactly what I said based on the trade, right? When we knew what the exact trade was for him. Hey, 
that's who they they traded Jake Voracek to get Cam Atkinson. And I even said, then you're never going to question whether or not he wants to work. Right. He's going to go out there and want to try to work hard and make something happen. It might not always happen. He might not have his best games all the time. But I'll tell you what, he's going to give you an honest effort every night. Which, and, and in these to, games, you've seen it. To be fair, it wasn't always something you could say for Jake. <laughs> well, sure. But we're not gonna we're not gonna bash. Also, I saw the first picture of him in like a Columbus jersey, and it looks weird. Because the last time you know, he wore a Columbus jersey, he was a child. You know what else looks weird? That haircut. Yeah, but now uh, now we're just taking personal shots at the guy. No, no. I mean, he he. Truth be told, he would come into camp every year with most of it cut down. Like he wouldn't have crazy long flow at that moment, right. and he didn't have a big beard. He would have. A little bit of a beard. Right. And he would let it, he didn't do anything for the rest of the year at that point in time. He would just, just let, let it go. progress. The hair grows out, the beard gets longer, and by the end of the year, he looks like the mountain man. You know? Yeah, I'm curious if he'll let it go again or if he'll uh, keep it trimmed now that he's back in Columbus. Right. I mean, that's, and that's a choice. But, but. Cam Atkinson's another one of those guys. We just talked about Yandel this way. Cam Atkinson's another one of those guys who just seems like he just wants to be there and keeps having fun with it. Like, like, He's the, he's the guy who I, I think seemingly comes into the room and it, it's like, you know, you know what it makes me think of? You've seen The Rookie, right? The baseball movie? Not in a very long time. I don't remember okay, much it's of not, it. It's fine. But they, there's a scene in the movie where because Dennis Quaid is playing the older veteran guy in the minor leagues, no less, there's a younger guy who's working his way up. They end up getting called up at the same time, but he walks up behind the guy and sits there and says, you know what we get to do today? We get to play baseball. And he gets this big grin on his face. That's what Cam Atkinson makes me think of. Cam Atkinson's the guy who comes in and goes, guess what we get to do today, boys? We get to play hockey for right. a living. Isn't it awesome? Like he seems like that kind of energy guy. Like that just loves the fact that that's what his job is. My job is to play hockey. I see that. Yeah, like, and, and that's the kind of energy that can really infect a team. And, like, we talked a little bit earlier about the the stew that they're brewing here, the, the chemistry. I don't – you don't hear much about teams like this. <laughs> you don't hear about teams that have the kind of chemistry that big chunks of this team have. Well, and so early too. Like, like right. we're mentioning. Like, I want to mention another name that's on this this graphic for now because I want to get into the other forward that's on this list because of the fact that I just talked about with Ristolainen and Yandel, your teammates getting, you know, getting the business handed to him in that sense because of the fact that he went, he, you know, he's around the net at the end of a, at the end of a play and defender takes exception to it. A scrum right? ensues. A scrum is there, but you're coming in and it's, it's not happening. Not not on our watch. We're coming in and we're taking care of this. You don't you don't touch him. You can come after us, right? So when it happens to Ivan Provorov later in the game, and Derek Broussard steps in and basically is a third man in and got no penalty for it, which was a shock, but nonetheless, um, uh, yeah. Well, to be fair, I don't think Provorov had his gloves off, and I think Broussard Provorov was, did not have his. I think Broussard was off. very willing to take his gloves off if if it had come to that. Sure, and at the same time. So, so here's the thing, though. But that that was the second occurrence. Like I was gonna this. say, I believe and, that was Garnet Hathaway again, correct? Yeah, it was. But at the same time, like forgetting, not even factoring in who it was who was causing the scrum to begin with, or who was in the center of it from the opposition. It's 
that's chemistry right there. It's like it's standing up for your teammates. It's actually looking like you're and this is three of the newest guys on the team who are going, we'll jump in. Let's go. They're all you know? ready to go to war. They're ready to go for these guys, which means that there's a respect level. There's a respect level for Joel Farabee. There's a respect level for Ivan Provorov, that these guys are valuable parts of this team. And as a result of that, we're going to do what we have to to protect them because our team needs them. That's what these players are basically saying. It's we need them and we need them so they're so important to this team that we have to protect them when this stuff happens. And that's what they did. It's it's really nice to see. And, and it's what makes a team tight. It's what I think we always enjoy. I mean, maybe not so much two years ago when it was they were having a lot of success. I don't know if we saw them as this team per se, because there's kind of an edge about them now with this kind of stuff. I agree. Like, there's a little more of an edge now. I think but, this team is built much better for the playoffs than the 2019 team was. Quite possibly. But but you know what it is like they bonded like they bonded over Oscar Lindblom like right they got a unifying we gotta, traumatic force we got to play we got to play for this guy we got to yeah. play for our teammate you know now they're doing it for everybody who's actually active because now Lindblom's part Lindblom was actually a little bit a little piece of that scrum at the end that I'm talking about because he's on the line with Broussard and Atkinson man so I can't wait to see him pot his first goal so he's so he's got to at least grab well I thought the assist was really nice too though that just even down to just being able to have his name announced, you know, and actually really to a full feel like building to well, well to a building. <laughs> Saturday's crowd wasn't bad though. I to will a say building that. with Tuesday, fans in the stands. Tuesday, Tuesday. As much as I had relatives, including my wife, who were at the game sharing a section together, um, they were the only one like, sharing that section together. Kind of. It was a scarce crowd. So uh, Tuesday night. And honestly, I think the first preseason game kind of snuck up on a lot of people this year if they're not necessarily paying super close attention. But they don't, listen, also, they don't listen to you would think so. It was also the night after an Eagles Monday night football game, that which, is true. I, which which was very draining. So well, I seems like every you know, Eagles game is pretty draining these days. <laughs> well, see, but this is kind of the interesting dynamic, like to month to Monday, for example, or especially as because Monday's the last home game until the home opener itself and the start of the regular season, right? Which is at that point is still a little more than about, what about ten? Not ten. It's going to be eleven days away as of Monday. Yeah. So, so you're you're closing in on it, but see, you know, now the Phillies baseball season is over as of this Sunday, so. That's out of the picture. The Sixers are kind of coming into the picture again, but the Sixers have their own kind of crazy thing going on right now, too. You've got, you know, the Eagles kind of are what they are right now. And, and even then, the Eagles dominate one day a week with watching the game. Right. Right. So you will have people, I think, start to take attention, like to put their attention on this team, especially if it starts to go well. Like it's, it's too early now. I fully expect you'll have a full building on the home opener because it's the home opener. Oh, yeah. You Believe it or not, you'll probably have close to a full building on the second game, too, because it's the first game that Seattle plays. It's kind of an interesting ticket. You kind of want to see this new team. The home opener is also on a Friday night, and it's the first time I the Flyers that. are opening at home in, what, 10-plus years? Uh, I don't know if it's 10. Um, it's so a lot. Technically, they were the home team last year, but or two years ago, but that was in Switzerland. So. Yeah, Czech, Czech Republic. Or in the Czech yeah, Republic, Prague. rather. But in terms of actually playing in Philadelphia, it's been quite a long time. And it's a Friday night. And, you know, sports are back in terms of full arenas and et cetera, et cetera. Oh, Man, that well, crowd's going to be rocking. So wait a second. I'll, I'll even do you one better. So the home opener, the season opener being on home ice actually happened last season, too. But there's nobody oh, that there. That doesn't count. No, I know it doesn't. I'm saying so, like, 
that might have been the first one they had in a while that wasn't in another country, right. was in the building that they play in. But, oh, by the way, no one's allowed to come. Right. That's crazy. I don't recall there being like I know that the, I know that the years before that. So definitely. What would it be? The 1920, the 1920s. season. one. The 1920s. One that, the 1920 season is the one we're talking about that started in Prague. But the, right. the year before that, they started, I think, like they had a couple of the previous ones on the West Coast. Right. Yep. They started with that West Coast trip right away and would hit like Vegas and the California Vegas, teams. And, yeah. the, the one start. So the one three seasons ago started against Vegas. The one before that, I think, started against San Jose. Oh, right. I do remember starting in San Jose a or couple something of years like ago. That. Also, so I, couple... I personally can't wait for the West Coast trip this year because I get done work at 8 o'clock Central Time, and those games start at 9 o'clock Central Time. <laughs> <laughs> I, You know, one of the things that I actually really liked about it, I'm going to look at the schedule really quick here with this, because a lot of those games coming up, whenever they do come up, like, all right, here's a good example. Like, a perfect example is right away. So they have... Once their very first road trip is literally the Western Canada road trip. Yep. I don't mind a Thursday night, 10 o'clock game when my Friday is usually a little lighter to begin with. And then, oh, by the way, a 10 o'clock Saturday night. Thank yeah, you very much. I'm going to get to watch all three of those games is just spectacular for me. Here's like, here's another one in December. They go out to Vegas and then play the Arizona coyotes on back in back to back on a Friday and Saturday. So Friday at 10, Saturday at nine. I'm like, Was thank it? you. Perfect. You know, like I love that right off the bat. And even down to, no joke, even down to the end of the calendar year, Seattle, Seattle on a Wednesday, San Jose, at 10, LA. San Jose on a Thursday at 10 30, and then LA uh, the on Disney New on Day. Ice Road trip. Kind of, yeah, I hear you. Um, here's the thing, though, about this. Like, I look at that, though, and I go, because that last week of the year anyway is always kind of a slow one for a lot of other things. Like, you're in between the two big, like, it's the, a great time to jam some hockey in. But it's a great time for it to be that flyers after dark kind of feel because of the fact that you're going, you know what? It's a week where you're going to have a lot of people who just say, I'm taking off this week. Yep. I'm not I'm not working this week. It's the last week. Like, there's only so many days in between anyway before we have like before another day off for a holiday. And, right. And the fact that it includes the flyers first trip to Seattle. That's going to be fun. I'm excited exactly. for that. I'm exci- I cannot wait until I can get a trip to uh, to Seattle organized. To go to a game. But that's literally like, but that 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 trip I just mentioned, that's the last one for a West Coast style thing. Everything else after that is eight is basically eight o'clock and earlier. The Flyers really are front loading their annoying travel, and that's a good thing. The um, worst thing they have left after that is is in March. See, is St. Louis and Colorado back to back, and that Colorado is at nine o'clock. I may or may not be trying to go to that St. Louis game. By the way, that is a Thursday night eight o'clocker. So I can switch my days off. That's how it works, right? <laughs> well, hey, listen, when you only get two opportunities a year because you live two and a half hours from St. Louis and two and a half hours from Chicago, you do what you can to make it work. That sounds we'll, good to me. We'll talk about that more next week because next week we are going to do a little bit more of a fleshed out season preview. Uh, a yep. cu- couple preseason games. What are you looking for in these preseason games? Because obviously we know at this point the wins and losses don't matter. It's the preseason. Well, especially you know, especially in game one when they lose in overtime – the way that they did, which, you know, and, and it's not the biggest guys scoring goals in, in the game. I mean, well, it was and, if you were the Islanders. The Islanders got goals from three NHL players in that game. And then Saturday where you win the game but lose the very long shootout for some reason. That <laughs> nuts. But, okay, so give me give me one forward to watch and one defenseman to watch this week in these last three preseason games. Who are you Ooh. looking for performances out of? Ooh, that's good. 
Yeah. Do I have to? Do I have to give just one, or can I give like two kind of with a yeah, go caveat? Yeah, go for it. Because defenseman, I give you two right off the bat because I still want to continue to see Ristolainen as a go, like as kind of a guy who I think we want to just keep seeing to make sure a guy that who we think a little has bit more. to prove himself a little bit. Right, but I would say that the guy I want to see most outside of that, and this is my caveat on it because I'm not like I feel like you're asking me that question kind of to pick a guy like Ristolainen, like okay, who's a guy who's going to make the team who you yeah. want to see this week? Is your so other my guy cave- Cam York? Exactly, yeah. because that's my habit. Because, yeah. because I just want to see where it goes. Because okay, same you, same question for forwards. Then give me one guy who you think is going to make the team that you're watching, and one guy who you don't think is going to make the team that you're watching. <laughs> well, that's an interesting one then, because I'm going to do okay. So I'm going to for guys who are going to make the team. Right. I'm going to just do this quickly through process of elimination then, because quite frankly. I don't need to see Couturier, Giroux, or Konechny again. Fair they enough. are, to me, as the game progressed on Saturday and their energy they level was good throughout, go. they just look like you should just stick them into a game now. Like, yep. and, and not in terms of like, hey, they've been productive or anything like that. It's just, you know what? At some point in time, playing games like this becomes a little trivial, and you're doing the best you can. Giroux did score a goal, by the way, and Couturier assisted on it. Uh, it, was vintage, th- it was very vintage Giroux, by the way, wasn't it? Yeah. I think that line is going to play one of your Monday-Tuesday games, and then I think they're going to play Friday in the preseason finale against Washington just because we kind of talked about them going in, getting kind of as many reps as they want, essentially. I have that if you would like me to divulge. Oh, do you you actually just know that? No, I have a theory of what's going to happen. Oh, yeah, hit me with it. I think you're going to see close to the opening night lineup again on Monday. Okay. And I and I think that because, first of all, it's a home game. You know home games are typically a good time to throw your veterans in there because everything, it's familiarity. It's not a lot of travel. Right. That's It makes sense. I do think you're going to see close to the – I shouldn't even say close. You might actually get a preview of the opening night lineup for good. I think you even will. Though, even though we think we've already seen it as of Saturday, I think you'll get it on Friday because of the fact that by that point you're That's out your of – you well, because by that point, here's the thing with cuts too, because they haven't really made cuts yet. I think they still have like 52 players. They've trimmed a, a couple, but yeah, not many. But it's been very minimal. Like it's been like three guys who you knew were going back to juniors, and three guys who you knew were going to the Phantoms, and that's about all they've done. Right. Which I think they're doing that to keep as many guys around for for Tuesday, because Tuesday is that let's travel to the minor league facility of the Islanders. Let's go play on the road. It's that's a Phantoms game on Tuesday. Kind of because of the fact that not only is it a road game, but it's a back to back after some of those guys play. Yep. That's why my theory is that Monday is going to look the way that it is because not only was there, like, is it an opportunity to play them again because it's a home game, it's also coming after, like, we got through Saturday and Elaine Fignot says after Saturday's game, we're having an off day on Sunday instead. And so it and makes they, sense to play that same roster Monday think, and kind of get I, them I think, into that season flow a little bit. I don't feel like it matters if you get on the ice or don't get on the ice if you're not intending to play maybe not all but a lot of the same players like i wouldn't be surprised if you got like i would take a guess and say potentially either you know actually potentially the Giroux couturier connect line or maybe something like the atkinson brassard limblom line or something of that sort that that's one of those lines gets pulled and doesn't play on monday so they can play on tuesday and be included among your veterans like, that's what I think you do. And that you bump Nate Thompson, Scott Lawton, Nick Obey-Kubel up to your third line for a night, play a line of younger players, and that's how you do it. Maybe the same thing, too, as you did with the previous Tuesday game, where, again, defensively, 
pull somebody out of that picture. Maybe, maybe it's Yandel Braun this time. So right. Yandel Braun is going to as Probably crazy. Probably not a bad idea sounds, to give them the give them a right, shot. But as crazy as it sounds, they'll be they'll be your number one. On Tuesday, because they'll be the two veterans you send to play in that game. To keep everybody a little bit in line. <laughs> well, sure, but like, so let me let me try to answer the question then, because those three, so the forwards, I would be watching. So I'd pull those three right away because I don't feel like I need to see much more from them. No, absolutely. I, I kind of would even add, I don't feel like you even need to see much more from the Broussard, Atkinson, Limblom line at this point. Like, I feel like I've seen enough to know that it's it's working i don't want to say it's completely a definitive thing like you're never going to touch it again or make some adjustments but yeah, right. I don't so think far, any, much beyond the top line is locked in stone for this team right so i mean to me the easy answer is that, that and that this is why i'm kind of again like trying to say it like with a caveat so to speak the easiest answer for a guy who i think is going to make the team is morgan frost because i think that morgan frost probably does have a spot almost locked up at this point that kevin it, hayes it, Right, it's like it's his spot to lose, and well, here's the other thing about keeping him up. If Kevin Hayes is hurt, does he right. have to clear waivers? If, if they um, end up sending him back down, he or might, at that point, yeah. are you sending Nate Thompson down and just kind of making do? Because I don't think Morgan Frost clears waivers. Well, I I don't think you need to worry about that right away because he's going to be one of your twelve, and. Based on everything that we're seeing from the way the groups line up every day when they put the groups out and things like that, Connor Bunneman, I think, right now is your 13. Given the fact that, and consider that Wade Allison's hurt, Tanner Lazinski's hurt, you, you were going to possibly have to see about Morgan Frost in a role like that when Kevin Hayes was healthy, so with Kevin Hayes out of the lineup, like you need somebody. There was actually, you know who we talked about a lot that we said, oh, this could be the guy who's the 13th in a way? We actually said it could be Nick Aubrey Kubel. Okay, and and thought, hey, that could be the guy who drops to the thirteenth spot. He's still on the team. He's a guy you can sit there and just practice the whole time, and when the time comes, bump him up. But it was going to allow for room for if you wanted to play Morgan Frost and if you wanted to play Wade Allison and and do that. Now that they don't have Allison in the picture, it basically buys Abe Kubella's spot. And Give Frost is basically, and and in Frost's case. You really have to just assume at this point that for the moment it's a straight up substitution at this point. Fair that enough. He's the guy who fills in for Kevin Hayes until Kevin Hayes is back. And that's subject to change if it doesn't feel like it's working. But I think in the preseason, they're not overreacting to, well, he didn't score this game or he might have been on the ice for a goal against some time. And I haven't noticed really much of either. Right. Like he had he had a much better game on Saturday than, than he did on Thursday. And that's part of who you're playing against. It's part of the lack of experience that he has from over the last 18 months between not playing again after March until yeah. that season was over and then getting two games and being done. There are very few flyers who need ice time more than Morgan Frost does. Which is why I actually think that he'll play Monday and possibly Tuesday. He might play all three games. I think he could at that and point. I don't Just think it's a bad thing. No, and I and I wouldn't worry so much about whether or not he's on a line. Like I wouldn't go crazy if they send him on Tuesday and, and say, just put him oh, on the first line and go play with people. Not and... even not even put him on the first line. Just send him on to but send him on Tuesday to play against the Islanders in Bridgeport and say because uh, who he's playing with James Van Riemsdyk and Joel Farabee and say you guys are getting the night off though. Right. Yeah. Totally. Like I know it's not his usual I, line. I think guy. James Van Riemsdyk will definitely have the night off. Uh, Joel Farabee, you might send him just to get him a little more. You know. 
ice time. Because he's he's a younger guy and he's got energy and you don't feel as bad about it. And he he certainly showed that he still got some scoring touch in that Boston game. He was the only guy who could score. Love me some Joel Farabee. If if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know how much I like Joel Farabee. The interesting thing was he wasn't as good on Saturday as he was on Thursday, which actually is kind of an interesting thing to say. He wasn't. Um, He's probably my forward to watch, just not out of any concern. Just A, because I like watching him, and B, because I'm kind of hoping he bounces back from a little bit of a soft game on Saturday. Now, I do want to sit there and say that if I have to pick a prospect who could be somebody to watch, I don't know how often he's going to get into games. I probably would assume that he might actually not even be here by Friday, like by the end of Tuesday anyway. But it would be interesting if they could get Tyson Forrester into one more game. I'd like to see him play Tuesday. Just get, yes, uh, just to get one more game, just yep. to try to see where you know where his abilities are. They kind of gave him a trust in playing him in a second preseason game after the first one. He didn't play as well. He wasn't as noticeable at five on five. He had some stuff going on the power play a little bit, but not mu- not as much at five on five. But it was hard because you're playing against outstanding players, and we knew this. So. I don't think, like I, I, I like it, it. It's kind of funny when we think about him right now because I think like he's too good to go back to the OHL at this point. Like it, unless they force him to do, like force the team to do that because that's the way that they're doing things. Which I, I don't believe think the they put a waiver in this year that if you played in the AHL last year, you're allowed to play in the AHL again this year. Well, I, the reason is because I believe it's only like from what I heard, I believe it's only like twenty guys anyway. Yeah, and I think they so, just basically wrote. A loophole covering right, thing because, and just said well, here, because, just do it, just fine. Well, and because to me, he's too good for the OHL. He's not good enough for the NHL. He yet. needs to be in the AHL. My thing with him being in the AHL is, is that I could see him being a very productive forward this year for the Phantoms. Like, I agree. Like I could see him being the type of guy who he got to. I think I saw his stats because I I went to go look it up because I was was I was thinking about this because I sat there. You know the he was I think when the draft rolled around. Two, how do I even say this at this point? Two drafts ago, I suppose. Because, Who even knows? Because there was a draft in October and a draft in like it's not even last year yet. Like it's almost last year. It's not even technically the, a year to the day. Twenty twenty draft. Right, but it's um, it's not even technically a year to the day. That's wow. the crazy thing, right? Um, I think he was second on my list of targets for the team that day. My number one was Jacob Perot. Okay. Jacob Perot had three goals and 14 assists in the AHL last year for 17 points. And Tyson Forrester had 10 goals and seven assists for 17 points in the, in, at the hey, AHL. I know which one I'd rather have at this point. And my point is, is that if he as a rookie getting hot at, at a good time at the end of the season and, and four kind of goals turning it on and three later, games or something ridiculous. Yeah, right. I think that if he got 10 in that short amount of time, because they didn't even play that big that long of a year. You know what I mean? Like, it was a really weird year anyway. I think he could end up at least with 20. And yeah. who knows what he could shoot for. If, he, if, he, if he's just there. Yeah. And I think that, to be fair, I think he will be there the whole year. But I, I think agree. it's a good I think it's a good whole year for him. Like, I don't want to sit there and feel like Cam York's destined for the minors the whole year. Or Igor Zamula is. Because those are guys who... If they can take proper steps, you might get to a point where you say, Justin Braun, step aside. We're bringing this kid up. Or I, whenever somebody gets hurt, it's time for him to go. And if, if, maybe if that's what it is, maybe a guy gets hurt, somebody like that steps in, and then the after that you go, and, and you go, we can't pull him. He's playing too well. We can't take him out. I think Cam York has a chance to do that at some point this year, and I don't think 
any of us would really be surprised if he's on in your lineup next April. For sure. Now, I do want to talk about two other two other players really quick because I feel like they're two of the most important that we actually didn't get into. Yeah, real quick, and then we'll get out of here. Because the goalies are going to be the most critical part of this team. And I do. I want to start with – well, first of all, I'll start with – while we're looking ahead. Yeah. I'll start with we know the goal – I don't know the lineup for Monday, but I know the goalie. Okay. Carter Hart is – or yeah, Carter Hart is starting on Monday. And I think that's a huge start for him. It's definitely. Boston – on home ice again and getting a full game for the first time this preseason is a big deal. And we think with the lineup, the regular lineup in front of them, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to be honest. Now, if, if not, it's going. Now, if not, it's probably going to happen on Friday, so that's not a big deal. Because right. Martin Jones, Martin Jones is starting Tuesday. But I wouldn't mind then, getting one in a little early here. But I would like to, so. What I would like to say about these two in particular, because Carter Hart got the very first start of the preseason, and. I feel like I'm going to just say it like you would because there's not even a really good way to do this. He looked good. He looked good. He looked really good in this game. I mean, that was that was the puck tracking that we're used to, the confidence in positioning. He was square most of the time. He made the saves he had to. The one that did go in was pretty decent shot from a really good defenseman, so I'm not really concerned about letting in one goal like that. And He was, he was screened a little bit too, so tough one. Right, nothing he can do about that, for sure. I, I, I forget what the exact number was at the end of it. I think he made like 17 saves on 18 shots or something like that was the final totals through two periods for Absolutely him. Absolutely respectable. And it's and it's like, that's a good starting point. You're in the game. I mean, they went to the third period in a 1-1 game. You're in it. Yeah, that's all you can is giving you all he can give you in, in, a, in a game where he's only playing the first two periods. Exactly. So I liked his game, and, and now it's the follow-up. Like, you got to follow up on it and play pretty well in this next game just to just to keep the confidence growing right because yeah, that's that's so, what we're looking at <laughs> so martin jones did not have the best first game for best first impression and 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 i don't know how to really describe it because of the fact that like hear me out so the, the stats are the big story i guess in this because the stats are eight saves on 11 shots they're that's alarming not that's not a good save percentage and giving up three goals in a period is not good it's a very martin jones save percentage now, here's the catch with that. Two of them are power play goals. We already talked about the assignments on the first one. So, it's so of all people, it's not like it was some prospect who is trying to make the team and then he scores from the slot like that. It's Brad Marchand. Oh, right. It's a guy who knows how to score goals. One of the better goal scorers left, in the league. And you left him alone in front of the net on a power play. What do you think is going to happen if he gets to pick his spot? He scored, right? 90 times so, out of 100, he's, he's scoring there. Right. Yeah. The second goal... Is a missed is missed assignments again, and it's a cross ice pass with a wide open net. He has nothing he can do on that one. Right. The third one, whether it was deflected or not, I need a save there. You need a save. Now, in Jones' defense, after the way that that game looked, the fact that he got he actually got pulled earlier than we thought because he was supposed to originally play two, we were told, and he got they changed it up. He only played half the game. He comes back out for Saturday. And. Kind of there was a feeling, especially just looking through Flyers Twitter a little bit early on, there was this feeling of, oh, no, here we go again. Another early power play goal. Uh-oh. He can't. You know, this he's is Martin Jones. Oh, God. Right. right. Like, like even down to it, not even whether or not it was his fault, but like the idea that is this what we're going to have to do every single time Martin Jones is in goal? Like, is there going to be a panic level where people are on edge? we have to for every single power play? Right. Right. Right, and I will give him full marks that after that power play goal by the Capitals, even though it was, it's Washington's B team. I get it. 
He locked he it was down. Sharp. He locked it down. He did face shot attempts, by the way, from legitimate players who are going to be on the Capitals. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about Kuznetsov. I'm thinking about Sherry. I'm thinking about guys like that. You know, like they're going to make the team. I think he made a save on a breakaway too on Nick Dowd, I believe. Okay. And that's a big deal too. Yeah. Because for sure. that's like he's a guy who's going to play, and that's you know that that's the thing. So he locked it down pretty well, and he even looked pretty good in the shootout. All things considered, for a nine round shootout to go through it and get through seven of them one way or another. He made most of the saves there. Yeah. So he looked pretty good, all things considered. And that's a good thing. So yeah. And I, I I think, I think that he's taken a step in the right, like that's the guy who I need to see every time you go out on the ice. Like if, if you get that Martin Jones who gives up that one goal on the power play off of a bad bounce, that, that it lands perfectly. He's trying to make the save and position himself for the original shot. And that quickly it's by him. If you get that guy, you will have a shot to win games. Absolutely. And but I, it, we need, but we need to kind of differentiate which one are you going to get, and they're, they're, obviously we know you might get either one. That's that's the thing we do, and that's something that we're probably going to dive into a little bit deeper next week when we kind of break down maybe the schedule a little bit more. We got some some season preview stuff planned for you guys, and uh, I think it's going to be very exciting. Uh, is there I, anything I else you want to we'll, talk about before we get out of here? No, I was just going to touch on like you said next week when we have like season preview type stuff. I think we'll know the final roster by then. I don't know for certain. We're kind of we're going to kind of be like we. Kyle mentioned it off the top of the show because he mentioned what time it was as we were talking about right at the top when we were talking about some of the stuff at the beginning of the show. What time we were recording and all so that. So we've again we did the nighttime record this time again because the intention was that there was going to be practice on Sunday morning and then there was turned out there wasn't just, right. Well, and I kind of just took the day, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. The, you know, but like or the morning, I should say, because it was kind of especially following all of that stuff. It was a long night. So um, or parts of it were long, but I don't. So I don't know when the rosters have to be in. I don't know if there's I don't know if there's practices next Saturday and Sunday specifically to kind of figure out where I'm going to be on Saturday, Sunday morning, that kind of stuff. And when everything is because they've kind of been having some of these practices more midday ish now, like there's some of them that are happening at like noon. So it's a little bit off of what it was typical. Like they were originally starting with kind of that Phantoms group type at 830. And then like the groups that were trying to make the flyers or, oh, it's 10 o'clock. And then another one at 1130 or 12 or something. I don't remember. Right. But like, and we, like you said, we will start to see cuts and we'll start to see kind of groups disappear from practice. But I got the sense like that's why I feel like the Monday game was kind of like, especially if it's that full lineup again. That's why they got Sunday off. Be, well, yes, but also like. I, I had that like that flashback, and I'm sure you remember this too. So two seasons ago, as they're getting ready for the Czech Republic, as they're getting ready to go over and play that first game over there, this is Elaine Vigneault's first year coaching the team. And he decides after like three preseason games out of eight. He's, just, he's sending all the Phantoms to Lehigh Valley now. We're going to make cuts now. I need to play veterans. Yep. And I got the sense after watching that second preseason game, not that it was a bad game. Like it was clearly lopsided. The rosters were not even playing field given who was going to make the Flyers and who right. was playing for the Bruins that was likely going to make the team. But at the same time, I got the sense that that was going to be the sign that it's time to get the veterans out there more to get a feel for nothing is going to really build the chemistry that they want, like playing with your new teammates in a game, even if the game result. And that's where I think we were. And I think that that's really important because 
I think you want to get that chemistry continuing to build. And I think we saw a good sign of it early on. So I would hope that that's where things go from there. But it's tough to say yet. We'll see what happens in the next couple of days. I certainly hope that we have a final roster or close to it by the time Sunday rolls around, whenever we do record, whether it's in the morning or at night again, because... Let's go to practice. Well, I might, uh, to be honest, I'm going to try to go to the practices if there are any on Saturday, Sunday, because if that's the follow up to that last preseason game, that could very well be the day that they're starting to tell you here's what here's the, cuts the roster are. and and basically yeah. what you're doing at that. But I mean, that's actually probably not a, one of those two days is probably not a bad day for Chuck Fletcher to speak, probably to kind of address where the team is at after training camp and things like that. Well, we will see, and our podcast, as always, will come out at some point on Sunday night. It may be at 8 o'clock if we record in the morning. It may be a touch after if we're still going. But uh, either way, you'll be able to find it here, wherever you downloaded this, and wherever else you download your podcasts, uh, including Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, sportstalkphilly.com. We're all over the place. <laughs> Make sure to follow the show on Twitter at YWT Podcast and follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. They've been scrolling at the bottom of the screen the whole time if you're watching on YouTube. You'll definitely want to follow mine because tomorrow night I'll be back at the center. So. Time to go, baby. Oh, we're getting there. What's it? Uh, 11 days? 12 days? Something like that. That's 11, 11 from Monday, and then we're on to uh, the real deal at this point. I mean, let's put, let's put this way. The best thing that we can talk about right now when it comes to the schedule ahead is Monday, Tuesday, Friday, and the preseason's over. It's over. And, and you're looking ahead, and the next time you see this team, it's for real. It counts. It matters. You need to get ready for it. And, and the I next think time we you see be. this team right here, <laughs> we'll we're be looking at that. We'll look at, we, we will be talking about a preview of a regular season game and a regular season that starts in October. Isn't it crazy how that works? That starts in October and ends in April and sets the stage oh, for playoffs that go right into June. I'm very excited. I hope you guys are excited too. Come along for the ride and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah.